0: And a good Sunday morning to you. You're in the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Najarian. It is the bye week for the Vikings, but the Gophers lose a tough one last night to Penn State. It's a whiteout at Penn State. 109,000 was the paid attendance last night. That's a tough place, a tough start for a freshman quarterback to play. Ethan kelly McManus played last night. Gophers lose 45-17, to as you heard just a little bit ago. That's three straight losses for the Gophers now, who at one time looked like, well, the West was one, but now, well, they're just hoping to become bowl eligible. Unfortunately, it seemed to me, and it went the way I think I I, I believed it would, Pete, and I'd love to bring you in uh, in a moment here. Um, I kind of felt like this one, unfortunately, was lost before they got there, and that's not uh, any real indication of their talent level or skill. But I felt like starting a freshman quarterback, one who I will say, and we can expound upon this, I thought showed some promise. But starting a freshman quarterback in that scenario, in that game on national television, Pete, that is is almost as close to a a no-win situation as you can get.
1: Well, and, and I don't know that they really did much to help him. quite honestly. I think yeah. that, you know, when you're a freshman quarterback and you get that opportunity and you are in that kind of an atmosphere and it's a whiteout, I mean, it's, that would be something that I think would strike even juniors and seniors, quite honestly. And here's a, here's a yeah. freshman that they're asking you to go out there. And I think that the reality is, I think that they, they didn't give him enough help on how they wanted to uh, run the offense. And I think that, you know, when, you, when you're when you in that position, give them easy passes. Throw little swing passes out to the running backs. Yeah. Get the tight ends involved early. Try not to throw too far downfield because, let's be honest, they're a very good football team, and they're going to come after you because they know you're a freshman quarterback. So why why would we not just give him a better opportunity to, to try to get comfortable in the game early? And I think that – He started to show a little bit of comfort late in the game. But, you know, I think in the early stages, it was a struggle. Uh, Although we had that great, you know, that 90-yard drive that that really was something. We got the touchdown. We felt like we were kind of back in the game a little bit because we were going to get the the second-half kickoff. um, Mm -hmm. But it just didn't happen. We just could not find the offense that we needed. And it surprises me because Penn State the week before was just, so terrible against the run. Michigan ran up and down the field on them and, you know, almost 420 yards of, of just rushing. And, and, and they really did dominate that game. I felt that was something that I thought that the Gophers could do as well, which also takes a little bit more pressure off of the quarterback.
0: Yeah. They, they certainly played uh, Kelly McManus out of the pocket a lot, which, which kind of, and maybe that was just the way it was given to them and they really didn't have much of a choice, but Mm-hmm. The few times that we saw him stay in the pocket, man, he was throwing darts, and and it made me, yeah. you know, I, I'll say this for PJ Fleck, I like the decision to go with Cali Manis. I, I really, mm-hmm. really do. This kid is special. He's got mm-hmm. all the size and the tools, and he will be your starting quarterback here down the way. There, there's no doubt in my mind. This kid's got it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like the fact that he went with him instead of Cole Kramer. Nothing against Cole Kramer, but Cole Kramer's not going to be there uh, in, in a couple of years, and Caliak Manus mm-hmm. is, and this is the guy that mm-hmm. you're going to go with. So, yes, put him out there in the scenario. The other thing mm-hmm. I noticed that, that I loved, and I know you will love too, Pete, is watching the dynamic between Ethan Calliak Manis and Tanner Morgan on the sideline. Has there mm-hmm. ever been a kid who you would hope for on your team to mentor a, a younger quarterback like Tanner Morgan watching him. Mm. You, you can't fake that, you know, and he's sitting mm. on the sidelines. He's got his hat on his beanie and and he's genuinely just trying to get this kid ready to play and keep him in it and give him tidbits. And, and he almost looked like a proud dad at, at, at a couple <laughs> points, but some things went well. So I, I love that. And and I think that to me because of all of those reasons, I love that PJ Fleck, went ahead and started eighth in caliak because I do think he's going to be very good. What bugged me, and I'll, and I'll say this because I want to ask this yeah. of Andy Greeter when he joins us here in about seven minutes. Again, um, we're talking gopher football right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what drives me crazy, and I love P.J. Fleck, you know I do, the quote, <laughs> I didn't prepare them to play. This is my fault. Mm-hmm. And I love that I know what P.J.'s trying to do. I know that he's trying to take it off of his kids. And, and he's trying, you know, that's what he does. He, he brings the onus and he brings the attention to him, takes the pressure off college kids. But at mm-hmm. some point here, these kids have to do it, right? P.J. Fleck can't play the game. The kids have to execute the game plan. And and to your point, they didn't necessarily do that last night uh, in all phases of the game.
1: No, um, and, and, and I think the most disappointing for me was the defense and, and the fact that the defense could not get off the field. It seemed like the Penn State offense had full control. You know, Clifford's a mm-hmm. decent quarterback. I wouldn't put him in the higher end of quarterbacks, even in the Big Ten. Yep. Um, yep. But he he sure looked like it, and and that was a problem as well. We couldn't get pressure on him at all. He stood there in the pocket. He had almost all day to throw the ball very frequently. They'd run the ball in the middle of the field. They'd throw the ball in the middle of the field, and it almost it was was as if. We were opening up and just covering sort of the sides and just allowing those those pass plays that were going right down the middle of the field and, you know, they have two big talented tight ends that they were throwing the ball to and both of them had touchdowns. Yeah. Both of them had great games. It was a, it was a really nicely you know coached game I think from Penn State, and we didn't help ourselves at all with all those penalties on defense primarily, yeah. but the, the the penalties you think from Penn State, and we didn't help ourselves at all with all those penalties on defense primarily, yeah. but the, the the penalties, you know, you can't do that. If you're going to go somewhere that's a hostile environment and, and you're, and you're there and you know, the pressure is on, you've got your, your backup quarterback. And I agree with you, by the way, Tanner Morgan is, he's almost like a, like a graduate assistant, quite frankly, yeah. where he's, yeah. he's sitting there and he's able to, he's able to sit down there with Kelly McManus and, and, and just talk it over, calm him down, do those kinds of things. But you know the defense didn't help us out a whole lot. Uh, we did have a hard time. We gave the running game a, a pretty decent shot. That was my biggest disappointment. The last couple of weeks was we got right. away from that. Yeah, you, you know, tweeted you had, about
0: and, that yesterday morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and and run
0: the ball, run and, and, the ball.
1: <laughs> well, and and we finally did. And Mo actually started to get some yards, and he started to get a little bit better as we as we moved along during the game. But. You know the problem is when you start falling behind by you know it's okay you're down by seven and and maybe even at fourteen when you've got the majority of the game of the second half left but but the problem becomes at some point now you've got to start flipping it back around and and throwing the football and and getting yourself back into a game where you're down by two scores yeah. and that was something we just weren't able to do and then we had an interception you know and then we'd go three and out with a punt and. And meanwhile, Penn State is moving up and down the field on our defense, and they're finding all these holes in the middle of the field. And, and that became a huge problem for us. And, and, you know, that it just seems like ever since that Purdue game where, where Tanner threw the three interceptions, we didn't have Mo, and we, we, we've lost what we had as far as the identity of big, physical, we're going to jam the ball down you, we're going to continue to press, press on that. Um, it feels like we 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 had gotten away from that, and I know Illinois actually looks like they might be the real deal. Quite honestly, <laughs> they have the you know Illinois has the number one defense in the country right now. It's not Georgia, incredible. Not, it's not teams like Alabama. It's the Illini, and and you know Belama Hats off to what Brett he's done as, does it again. Oh my yeah. gosh, I mean he's just outstanding, and he's done a great job, and he's got he's got Wisconsin. They just happen to be wearing orange down there in
0: Champaign. <laughs> so, Pete, <laughs> Pete, how do you then? How do you win this game? Because you know you you talked about this. You're getting away from from the plan. If I'm the okay. if I'm Penn State, I know exactly what to do. Right? I'm going to make mm-hmm. the Gophers one dimensional. You're going to yeah. have to beat us with Ethan Calliegmanis, and and you're not mm-hmm. going to because he's a freshman starting at Penn State with 109,000 people <laughs> screaming at him. Yeah. So I know you're going to. I mean, everybody in the world knew that the Gophers were going to run the ball 30, 40 mm-hmm. times. How mm-hmm. how do you, from an offensive standpoint, how do you tailor your game plan so that you still succeed when the team is going to try and probably successfully make you one-dimensional?
1: Well, and, and when they do make you one-dimensional, you've got to react. And I think what I, what I mean by that is, okay, they're doing everything they can to stuff it up and make sure that we aren't going to be able to run the ball, which then should open up some play action to some degree uh, because we, we were still willing to throw, to, to give the opportunity for the offense to run the ball. Now you can do a little bit of play action off of that, get the ball, maybe to the running backs, tight ends. They don't have to be long passes. And I think let our athletes be athletes. You got to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And I'll tell you, you're right. When you said he is the quarterback of the future, he certainly is. I've watched that kid in practice and he has an incredible arm. The ball comes off of his hands, like, you know, what we see in the NFL, quite frankly, he really does have that kind of a, of a throwing motion. It looks great, but he's got to have a little bit of time back there. And our, and our, the the offensive line did not help him at all. Uh, He was, you know, he'd get back when he was going to throw the ball and they're, they're coming for the run. And meanwhile, when they convert to coming at him with the pass, they're hitting him every time Uh, he's spinning around. He's looking for places and, We did not help him out, and I know that it's a young offensive line and and, and a lot of new guys, four of the five. But we had plenty of games to get in shape and get them, you know, coached up to the point where give him three seconds, give him two seconds, give him a little bit of time back there. Give him something, right? Yeah. Some of those guys, yeah, you got to help him out, and he's a young quarterback, and the pressure's on, and and we just did not execute on that at all.
0: All right, well, I want to dig deeper onto Callie uh, onto, uh, Manis as well a little bit later, but we're going to take cool. a quick break. Um, we're going to have Andy Greeter up next uh, from the Pioneer Press. He was at the game yesterday, and I'm curious. I want to ask him, and this is also the question I'm going to pose to our audience today. You can call or text us, 651 That's the City's One Plumbing Talk and Text Line. Why does it seem like every year the Gophers start hot and then just completely drop off? Is it just injuries, or is it something else? I'll ask that question of you, our audience, and of our next guest, Andy Greeter, when the huddle continues. You're listening to 830 WCCO. Welcome back to the huddle. Boy, you can't beat Rush at 1023 on a Sunday morning, man. I'll tell you what. (laughs) And the rush was prevalent last night for the Gophers, right? Andy Greeter is with the Pioneer Press, covers the Gophers fantastic, does a great job. He joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Andy, good morning to you. I know you're about to get on a flight a little bit, but I'm curious how this team reacted last night. It's their third straight loss. Uh, Certainly, uh, I I think maybe they knew this was a tough and uphill battle, but what was the uh, mindset afterwards?
2: It was a lot of uh, needing to look in the mirror. Um, I think, you know, linebacker Mario, sorry, Marin said, you know, they have to make a decision on, on where this season is going to go with five games left. You know, this is not the spot that they envisioned them being in. I don't think they looked at themselves as a potential undefeated team at this time, but they certainly didn't look at themselves as a three loss team, a three game losing streak, and breakdowns happening more and more. Uh, More frequent uh, in more places uh, with more regularity. Uh, I think it was, you know, jarring just to see the defense in particular last night. You know, they'd been kind of the bedrock of this team while the offense had had struggled in the run game against Purdue or in the pass game against Illinois. Uh, You know, those issues were still there. Uh, on, on Saturday night, but it was the defensive breakdowns. It was breakdowns in coverage. It was coverage busts. It was not even lining up right a lot of times. It was just big play after big play, which was just so uncharacteristic for this defense. While the offense was, was needing to figure it out without Mo or without Chris Ottman-Bell, uh, the defense was there to be counted on to keep them in games, and that certainly was not the case last night. So, you know, it's it's been issues left and right, front and back and sideways with this team right now.
1: You know Andy and, and and I think you're exactly right and 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 Maurice said it uh the, the mistakes that were going on and the miss you know the miscommunication it seemed like they they just were not on their game first half they actually played pretty well uh, overall but it was that second half where they just completely came apart and you know it's 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 weird and and Dave was asking me how about on the offensive side of the ball the offensive side of the ball we did have that 90-yard uh, drive late in the second quarter, get get ourselves a touchdown, put ourselves in position for the next uh, kickoff that we're going to get in the second half. But what was it about that drive that they couldn't bring that back to the team for the rest of the game? They, that drive, I, you know, the quarterback was running with the football. That was great. He was throwing to Brockington. That was great. He did a nice job getting it to span four. That was great. But why couldn't we do that more in the second half? Was there something that Penn State did that changed and, 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 and threw a wrench at us on that?
2: I think it was just being able to capitalize on big plays. You know, Mo I think averaged three yards a carry and he needed to you know have a have a bigger day. He went over hundred yards, but there wasn't a lot of uh, staying ahead of the sticks. I think that was problematic. I think when you look at, at that first drive of the third quarter uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, a lot of dud plays, you know, I think they connected with Ethan in his first start, Ethan think like Uh, you know, had a nice connection with Brevin span uh, but they were just continually were, were stifled and kept behind the sticks. You know, I think that's what it was. It was, uh you know, they weren't able to, to be consistent enough on first and second down and, and got themselves in third and long. And that was, that's a problem for this offense because they do not have dynamic pass catches on the outside. And I think, you know, they rely on on staying consistent and generating first downs and, and stringing those together. Uh, like DJ said after the game, they not built for a shootout. You know, this is a team that is is predicated on on running the ball, controlling the clock, and playing great defense. And we weren't able to see any of those facets last night.
0: Andy, I'm going to ask you this question, knowing full well that if you can answer it correctly, they'd probably put you on staff at the University of Minnesota. <laughs> but I'm just so curious. Why is it that every year we see this team come out of the, you know, at least the last couple of years, come out of the gates like gangbusters, and then they start to cool off? Is is it injuries? Is it the schedule? Is it coaching? Is it a combination of all three? Is there something that you've seen, you covered this team for a long time, where, where they, they, oh, here we go, they're going to win the Big Ten West, they're going to make it to the Rose Bowl National Championship, here we go, and then all of a sudden we're at the bottom of the West going, we might not even make it to, to the top or, or third place if we're lucky at this point.
2: I mean, I would push back and say they lost to bowling Green in the third game last year. I don't think that they were <laughs> you know, gangbusters last year at the, at the start of last season. Obviously they were in, in 2019, you know, 2019 was, was the dream season, but even that year, I mean, that year, the non-conference opponents, they had last possession wins in all three of those games. They weren't exactly yeah. crushing people that year. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think part of it is 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 the the schedule stiffens up, right? I mean, last year they outside of the Bowling Green game and the Illinois game, they played very well uh, for most of the season, and then the schedule stiffens up. You know, Penn State has a lot of talent. I think that their game against Michigan was an outlier. I think that they are a quality team that that is going to do things here this year, and I think Illinois the same way. I think they are also a quality team, and kind of when you talk about kind of having strong starts and and fading towards the end of the year, I think part of it is the competition, right? I think last year when you look at at where that season went, you know, things got difficult at the end of the year, Iowa and Wisconsin, you know, I think it was the same kind of issues that they've had, uh, you know, previously, you know, obviously the Iowa game and they were able to pull it out against Wisconsin, but I think it's, it's competition. I think that's, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind is, is that, you know, non-conference games are, are easier, um, and, yeah, I think injuries have kind of stacked up against this team. You know, there's just not a lot of playmakers at the University of Minnesota, right? They've got some, but they don't have the depth of them, right? So when you lose a guy like Chris Altman-Bell, you feel that every single week. And when you have Dalen Wright not being able to, to make the trip because of disciplinary reasons. You're down another guy. And then you have your two playmaking wide receivers on the outside and, and Daniel Jackson and Mike Brown Stevens who are not getting open enough or not winning contested catches enough. And it comes down to Brevin Ford is the one guy that you can that you can count on, and that's just not enough to win in the Big Ten uh, with a passing game. And I think also offensive line uh, has struggled this year. And I think I think that you know having to replace four starters in game. And I think also offensive line uh, has struggled this year. And I think I think that you know having to replace four starters up front uh, was mm-hmm. something that was that was glossed over. Uh, papered over, just given the, the way that they were able to play in non conference with with Mo and him breaking tackles and then playing great defense. And now you're starting to see some of those cracks with the offensive line not being able to plug and play with transfers and, and guys coming through uh, the system. And, and you're seeing issues there with not being able to, to win enough up
0: front. You know, it's Andy, really interesting. guest right now from the. Whoop. Andy no, Reader's I'm our gonna, guest. Pioneer, <laughs> I'm just I gotta say that he's on the John Schuster Goldberger hotline. Dead Pete, you got it. Go. <laughs> well, Andy. <laughs> again.
1: So Andy, we've got we've got three games in front of us right now that potentially could be winnable just based upon what we've seen so far this year. It doesn't mean anything is given to us by any stretch, but Rutgers is coming off a win as well. So we've got that game at home, then we've got to go to Nebraska, and then we've got Northwestern. So of what's left, yeah. I think that those are potential winnable games. Do you do you agree with that? And do you see any one of those as the biggest stumbling? I would say right now, looking at it from my perspective, would be Nebraska feels like they've gotten some kind of rhythm. Now they're not great. They're not old school Nebraska. But of those three, I'd be worried most on that, especially because it's a road game.
2: Yeah, I mean, Pete, you said it. You said it best there. Obviously, you know, coming home uh, to face a Rutgers team. I was able to beat a bad Indiana team yesterday. Uh, You know, they fired their offensive coordinator a couple weeks ago, Uh, so Rutgers has been in transition here. Uh, I don't feel like they are very good. I think the Gophers will be a favorite and should be able to win pretty handily next week. But that said, you know, I don't think there's a lot of confidence that this team has engendered uh, with its fan base, just given how they were playing last night and how they've played uh, in, you know, kind of decreasing fashion uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think... Nebraska uh, has been playing better of late. Uh, Obviously, going to Memorial Stadium, the fans always turn out there. That will be a good environment. Um, And then you come home and and play Northwestern, uh, which is a bad Northwestern team and and should be able to win that one. So you know, you can foreseeably see the Gophers winning three straight here and not really knowing anything more or better about what this team is because you still have Iowa uh, and Wisconsin at the end, which are rivalry games. I know Iowa's offense is putrid. Uh, but their defense uh, obviously outside of Ohio State yesterday has been rock solid and, and Wisconsin is, has, has seemed to turn the corner under Jim Leonard and, and those are rivalry games and it will be probably nip and tuck like they always seem to be. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. We're kind of at a, at, a, at, a point, at a point in the season looking at the schedule that you say, is this going to be a 7-5 and five team? Is this going to be a team that, that ends up having to go to the Pinstripe Bowl in New York? And going mm-hmm. to a cold weather bowl game is that is that where we're at? Is that and that's going to be a letdown because this team, more than any other year previously under Coach BJ Fleck, has talked more vocally about their goals of winning the West. And okay. when you have Iowa and Wisconsin down, the opportunity was there. Obviously, Illinois has risen to the occasion. Uh, they were on a bye week last week, but they look they look solid. And there was a there was an opening in the door uh, for Minnesota to be able to step through. They had a lot of veteran talent. Uh, they had four guys come back for their sixth year on offense and a, a solid defense that was really good last year and has been good for the most part here this year. And it looked like it was there for the taking. And to, to you know, foresee a seven and five type of season, a, an eight and four type season, it's not going to be good enough, just given the fact of, of where this team thought it could be
0: uh, in August. Mm-hmm. Andy Greeter is our guest on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Andy, you talked about Gopher fans uh, being upset. We are getting a lot of texts here uh, on the of One Plumbing Talk and text line. So I, I'd like to pose one yeah. of these to you if you don't mind. Sure. Um, sure. This was a great one. The guy says, all of my kids went to uh, Florida State. So I'm keenly aware of how hard it is to find a good football coach, but I think it's fair to ask if the U of M taxpayers, fans, et cetera, are getting a favorable return of investment from the PJ regime. We've invested in a lot of facilities, yet this program does not have more W's in the big 10. They've got a few more, but still, uh, is it time to question? And I'm not asking this. I'm asking for this is the fan perspective. At what point do you look and say, maybe this coaching staff isn't doing what we thought they'd do? Yeah, I mean, I don't know
2: what the expectation should be at the University of Minnesota, right? I mean, do you guys, do fans envision this to be a a perennial Big Ten West team, Uh, a team that that you deserve to and expect for them to win 10 games every year? I don't think so. I don't think they're they're at that point. I think last year winning nine games uh, was a quality season. I think obviously in 2019 that was a dream season. Um, and then you have a letdown during COVID, and you're experiencing a letdown currently. I think, you know, PJ signed a seven-year contract uh, last year uh, that gave him a raise and and is going to keep him around. Uh, I I would say that it's not taxpayer money. This is all athletic department money. So people that get upset about, you know, my state taxes go to Coach PJ Fleck. It's just not accurate. I I don't know why people think that. I mean, it's a state employee, but at the same time, Budget is not from taxpayers, but anyways, um, I think that you know you you expect this year to start to have yeah to start to have some consistency, right? Not to have the up and down nature that they had after 19 with the COVID year and up in 21 and keep that keep that level high and and win a trophy. Um, But I think it's it's been difficult to see another letdown to see a team that has a lot of veterans not be able to, to figure it out on the offensive and defensive line. I think defensive, defensively they have not been able to get to the quarterback with nearly enough consistency and finishing and sacks, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on a really good secondary. Um, but I think just offensive and defensive line, that was the biggest question coming into this year, and it's damaging because this is year six of P.J. Fleck. I think if you want to criticize where this team is at, they do not have enough difference makers on the offensive and defensive line and have to go to the transfer portal to try to find guys. And I understand that that's 2022 and that's the name of the game. And you can do that and win there, but they have not hit enough consistently on the guys they brought in on both trenches. And that's what's hurting them now.
1: Yeah. And Andy, I'll I'll tell you what, we really appreciate everything that you're giving us because it's great information. It really truly is. And and my, my last question for you would be this though. Uh, Let's say we do win the next three and, and people suddenly yeah. get very excited again. Yeah. I, Iowa's offense is putrid, but Wisconsin looks like <laughs> they're starting to turn a little bit of a corner all of a sudden and running the football sure. and they're playing much better than they were. They've, they've made some changes as well at the very top. So is that a team that, that the Gophers have really got to be looking at and saying, you know what, when that day comes, that's going to be quite a challenge. I, I mean, more so than ever. And that one's on the road as well.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Obviously, you know there's a lot of football to be played till then. But yeah, I think, you know they made the change at a very opportune time for Jim Leonard, right? The schedule really softened when he was able to to come in and take over. And you know they probably kicked themselves for losing to Michigan State in between because they had you know Northwestern and and won yesterday against Purdue. So they could be easily sitting at at three wins. I think that Michigan State game might have gone to overtime. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's Wisconsin, you know, it's a rivalry game. I don't think their defense is nearly at the standard that they have been historically. I think their secondary has some holes. They're a lot like Minnesota in the sense of, you know, they don't have a lot of playmakers on the offensive side too, at the skill positions outside of Braylon Allen, who's who's a freak and is putting up good numbers here this year, but you know, their quarterback play has been sketchy. They don't really have a lot of, like I said, playmakers on the outside. So yeah, it'll be in Madison, and it'll be a great environment. But I think it's like like we talked about. I think it's it's a down Wisconsin team, and and uh, you know it's it's certainly going to be a winnable game. But again, like I, I feel like a broken record, just given what this <laughs> Gopher team has been like over these last three weeks, I don't think there's they're not engendering a lot of confidence of where they're where they're at right now. I think being able to have Rutgers at home um, is really the next best thing to happen Northwestern at home (laughs) right now. And they hit those guys in in three weeks. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really uh, down time for the Gophers, just given the fact that it was a nationally televised game, a whiteout, an amazing atmosphere, one of the best sporting environments I've ever been at. It was amazing to be there and, and to be a part of it. And it was close, you know, as they, as they were going there in the, in the second quarter and, get that touchdown and Hatham starts to get into a rhythm as in his first start and you think, okay, this defense might be able to tighten up and if they start to generate something and then the wheels come off in the third quarter and it was just kind of completely uncharacteristic for this team. So if they're able to, to tighten things up defensively and get back to what they've shown for the, you know, better part of Joe Rossi's era, I think that they can they can put together three wins
0: in a row and, and then it's rivalry time. Andy Greener, thanks so much. I know you got a flight to catch. Do you have a good boarding group at least, or do you have to man, wait you get to go right on? At the uh, yeah, I,
2: I got a good boarding group. I'm in uh, Delta okay, in Delta Comfort, so we're good there. We're going to Tottenham Hotspur on my phone here in a little bit. So watch them <laughs> Premier before I get that flight.
0: Boy, those paper guys travel in style. I'll tell you what. Thanks, Andy. We'll talk no, to you know, again soon. I
2: know. Just deep, just deep <laughs> pockets, huge budgets, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate Thanks,
0: it. Andy. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right. We're going to switch gears. Speaking – he talked about great atmospheres. Did you watch any of the, the Gophers North Dakota this weekend? It was a phenomenal atmosphere over at Mariucci Arena. Jess Myers covers the Gophers for the rink live. We are going to talk to him next. You're listening to The Huddle on 830W. College hockey is back, baby. Last night, if you didn't watch any of the games this weekend, by the way, North Dakota and the Gophers, just a phenomenal atmosphere, one that we thought was gone forever when the WCHA went away. Jess Myers covers college hockey for the rink live. Jess, great to have you today. I know you were at the game last night, at least I believe you were at the game last night. What a crazy atmosphere. How good was it in person?
3: It's one of those things, Dave, and you know this having been in the sports media for a while, I walked away from both of those games, Friday and Saturday night, thinking, I almost feel guilty that I got paid to be there. That was <laughs> as phenomenal and electric as an atmosphere, yeah. and, and not just you know fun in the crowd. Matthew and I said on Friday it was like there were two student sections kind of competing with each other because North Dakota fans travel well. There's a ton of North Dakota alumni in the Twin Cities. So a lot of green in the building, and they made a lot of noise. And then the Gopher student section—I mean, uh, you know, Bob Motzko likes to say the Gopher fans never went away, but they're back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jess, real, Jess, the uh, it, it is great. The atmosphere was always unbelievable when I was in college back in the early '80s. I know I'm dating myself pretty good there, but what <laughs> is it? What 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 was it that caused this to be so big? I know the Gophers are rated, you know, number one and everything else, but. It's great to see the barn just rocking like that, right? I mean, whether or not it's a 3M arena or whatever you want to call it, but the way they the, the atmosphere can be unbelievable. But why is it that we finally have reached this point where we are back to that hockey like it's
3: always been? Because we've always been a highly rated team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Now, Pete, that's a great question. And, you know, just as you were asking, it kind of made me think of this. I think we're seeing a generational shift. You know, the the kids that are college students now, 18, 19, 20 years old, the WCHA, the old WCHA that everybody pines for, that went away almost a decade ago. So you're seeing a new generation of kids who didn't grow up necessarily around those old WCHA rivalries. Um, I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, a lot more folks of that generation have accepted. This is what we've got. Yeah, you know, we don't play UMD. We don't play North Dakota as much. We don't play the traditional rivals, but we're in the big 10. Now we're going to play Ohio state. We're going to play Michigan. They're going to be big games. We're going to hang banners, all of that. I think you're seeing that shift. The other thing the Gophers did, and we've tarped on this for years, but they have dropped the ticket prices. I I really think they had (laughs) priced a lot of people out of the college hockey market in, in the last couple of years. And Let's face it, it was an easy lift for the Gophers for about 20 years because all they had to do was open the doors to 3M Arena and Mariucci and they would sell 10,000 tickets. So it was easy to just, you know, hey, let's just add 5 bucks onto the ticket price this year. And you do that again and you do that again, and all of a sudden people are saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is, uh, this is a little more than I bargained for.
0: That's it. Jess, it's just a phenomenal point. I agree with you 100%. Jess Myers uh, from the RIG Live joins us right now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jess, I tweeted this last night, and I'm sitting here looking through the roster of players. I'm looking at the Jackson Nelsons, the Middlestats, the Jackson Lacombs, Mike Kester, Matthew Nyes. We haven't even talked about Jimmy Snuggerud yet. This group of players, to me, seems like one of the most stacked they've had in a really, really long time. And I know that that's the truth. What's interesting to me is that under the Don Lucia era, in this last couple of years here, I spoke to him about how he changed his recruiting, right? Going for more of the three-star recruits, four-star, instead of the five guys that we're going to leave in a year or two. This team is stacked with four- and five-star guys. Has Bob Motzko changed recruiting styles and the, and the kind of type of guys that he's bringing in to form this roster?
3: I really think he has, and, you know, not, not to knock Don Lucia at all because they had some really formidable teams under Don Lucia. Keep in mind, you know, I think Don's last five years on the job, I think they won the Big Ten title three times. So it's not like uh, the cupboard was bare when Bob Moscow got here. But, number one, they've created an atmosphere, I think, where people are really excited about go for hockey again. And then, number two, and, you know, this has been the storyline for 20 years, but I had somebody tweet at me Friday night because I always post the line charge. And they said, you know, we're getting closer and closer to having an all-Minnesota team again. Do you think we'll ever go back to the old Doug Woog era of just having six <laughs> from Minnesota on the team? I quickly hmm. pointed out, Matthew Nise is from Phoenix. Logan Cooley is <laughs> is from yep. Pittsburgh. And Cole Iserman, the top recruit that they've gotten in the last – you know, year that everybody's excited about coming down the pike is from Massachusetts. So I hope they don't go back to the old Minnesota uh, <laughs> roster anytime soon because you're really seeing Minnesota becoming a destination for kids throughout the country where it used to be, you know, the place where every Minnesota kid wanted to play, or, or a lot of them did anyway. Um, n- now you're really seeing them broaden their recruiting base a lot more than they ever have.
1: Jess, I, I think you're exactly right. I think that the recruiting has gotten
3: better. I also, I've been
1: pleading with Mark Coyle for, I don't know how many years to bring down or to bring up that price uh, a little bit, and, or the, down the price for the for the tickets, just to give the opportunity for, for people to get there and, and, and put people into the stands. And that's been something that I think we struggled with for a long time. And we might have to examine that for Gopher football as well, to be honest with you. But, Who's a sleeper right now? Who's, who's a team or a school that you look at and you say, you know what? We're, we're ranked as high as we are, but there's a few underneath us that, uh, we better start thinking about into the future because we've got some, some great players and a, and a team that maybe would be, uh,
3: very, very difficult. Is there somebody that stands out for you right now, Jess? It's funny listening to your conversation with Andy Greeter and talking about the Gopher football schedule and how it seems like they always start out 4-0 and then there's a drop-off once you get to the Big Ten schedule. Not to knock Big Ten hockey, but it's almost the opposite for the Gophers on the hockey rink because... The non-conference schedule they play in October is so tough. Minnesota State-Mankato, you know, was ranked number two in the country this week. Uh, You know, you saw North Dakota this past weekend. Just a couple of phenomenal games. Last year it was St. Cloud State that they were playing in October. And, you know, the Huskies are really good and a really good rivalry. So you have these super tough, super hardening non-conference games in October then you get into the Big Ten schedule, and it's almost a, a little bit of a relief. You know, you look at next weekend going to Ohio State. It's going to be a very tough series, but they've had the Buckeyes number for whatever reason. Now, you ask about a sleeper team. Here's the one to look out for. Notre Dame, which is an affiliate in Big Ten hockey. They uh, they play in the conference app for five years now or so. They come to 3M Arena at Mariucci first weekend of November. Now, if you're not out deer hunting, get a ticket for these because <laughs> – the Fighting Irish play this lockdown defensive style that, that works for them. You know, they don't have a lot of offensive superstars. They rely on puck possession. They rely on really good defense and really good goaltending. And they always give the Gophers a great game. So that's a fun one. And, and for folks mm-hmm. who are looking to do a Gopher road trip, Notre Dame's a great place to go. It's a cool campus, yeah. a great building. And, and that's been a nice addition yeah. to Big Ten Hockey.
0: Jess Myers is our guest right now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jess, you got a minute? But I'm curious: Jimmy Snuggerud or Matthew Nyes, who will have more points at the end of the season? Both these guys, I love watching them play. They're just such great goal scorers. Who leads? Which the, one of those guys I'll, has the has the higher?
3: I'll take the easy answer and say Nyes, just because he's got a year of college hockey under his belt, he probably could have signed with toronto in the off-season they love him as an individual talent Whatever, for whatever reason, the Maple Leafs have drafted the Arizona market really well. They've got Austin Matthews on their, on their roster. Now they've got Matthew Nyes, another kid out of the Phoenix area that's an up-and-coming star. I really think Nyes is the guy you go to late in the game, and we saw that in overtime on Friday. So I think he's going to wind up with more points this season. But, boy, if they can keep Jimmy Snugger around for a year or
0: two, you talk about yeah.
3: a, a fun talent and a, and, a, and a generational, you know, multi-generation
0: gopher. Boy, two fun players to watch. Lots of fun players to watch this year. Jess, thanks so much. We'll do it again, okay? Thanks, Always Jeff. hockey, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, Jess Myers from The Rink Live. We have another hour to go and so much more to talk about on the next hour of the huddle. We'll talk about the Vikings on the bye week. We'll talk wild, and we'll talk about some other stuff as well. You're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO.